excuse me while I open my uh, tofife with a tiny, look, I've got a tiny miniature sword. Oh, yeah. For opening <laughs> letters. It's like an old school letter opener. It comes in handy for opening chocolate packaging. <laughs> do I ever open any letters with it? No, I absolutely do not. Oh, wow. These toffees are really chewy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's quite a bad idea, really, isn't it? I don't think they present the Today Show eating toffees. <laughs> Still going. Five hours later. <laughs> Do you know what? I could also use the tiny sword to pick it out of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> right, what are we doing? Making a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's aimed at parents who work freelance. Right. Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie and this is Steve. Hello! Yes, each episode we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community, uh, but we start each episode by looking back at the last one. Last time we were talking about... Sticking to your values. So turning down work that doesn't align with your values and how to do that. Louisa Ellens got in touch and said, I've been approached twice by potential clients in areas that I'm not comfortable with. Both times I've turned the work down and said, I don't think I'll be able to give it my all and give them the best result. One person was very understanding in their response and the other never replied. Honesty is one of my values. So although neither email was nice to write, I felt comforted in the knowledge that I'd done the right thing. Anya Perlman says, while I agree that people should only share online what they're comfortable with, Sharing values is absolutely crucial. I don't want people inquiring that can't relate to what's important to me. It's a waste of both our time. Sharing values and opinions is the opposite of unprofessional in my eyes. Dave Smythe says, I don't think there's anything wrong with being upfront about your values. A lot of the work I get these days is because I've been vocal about the particular combination of things I care about. There's a permanently work in progress page on my site dedicated to that, which acts as a filter for some clients and as a USP Mm. to others. But you have to be comfortable with being open about that. It's probably good just to have the conversation. I'd also maybe ask if they could give you a brief overview of the project slash client when they're asking about availability. If they can do that, then that might give you wriggle. If they can do that, that might give you wriggle room. I can't say wriggle room. If they can do that, that might give you wriggle room. <laughs> wriggle room. Oh my God. If Thanks, Dave. If they can do that, that might give you wriggle room to get out of things in a subtle way, i.e. I'm not available, rather than having to explain your position each time. Beautiful. And Laura Mingotzi Marsh says, During my interview at the last agency job I had, they asked me whether there are any industries that I wouldn't work for. There was transparency from the start. I found their honesty and the space they created for me, to be honest, meant there was no ambiguity. In conclusion, you'll probably find that having a conversation with your manager is far less excruciating than you're expecting. Just talk to people. That's the answer to most problems in the world. Very wise words at the end there. Mm. Thank you so much for all your comments. Anyway, what have you been doing? Yeah, not sleeping. So, (laughs) yeah, it caught me on one of these days. This used to happen all the time. I'm sure we did an episode where I did a massive rant about how I worked till like 1am and then my baby would always wake up the minute I put my head on the pillow. That's basically what happened yesterday. (laughs) Except I don't have babies anymore. They're five and eight. Anyway, for the first time in like ages, I stayed up super late working. Worked till about midnight, basically, and then got into bed. And five minutes later, 
my daughter woke up, put her back to bed, did that thing where didn't grab enough warm clothes and ended up like crouching at the end of her bed, <laughs> trying to keep warm, waiting for her to go to sleep. But then she came back like an hour and a half later. Then an hour and a half after that, my son woke up, which what? never happens. He doesn't go to bed very early, but once he does now, he tends to sleep. He woke up in the middle of the night. What? And yeah, just couldn't get back to sleep, which I relate to, to be honest. So I ended up sleeping on his floor. Oh. Which was not the most comfortable thing. What, the whole night? From about four till seven. So not the whole (laughs) night, but... (laughs) Considering I went to bed at midnight and then was woken up twice before. Uh... When we last spoke two weeks ago... When we were doing the edit, I was like, really sorry, Steve. I sound like death <laughs> because I was so tired. But I actually think I'm more tired oh. <laughs> today. But I've gone into the, like, hysterical... Oh, good. That's good. Everything's hilarious, tired. i tell you one thing. So at the weekend, I was cleaning the bathroom, right? Not showing off, right? But the doorbell went, my wife answered it, and I could, I could hear this man at the door... And my wife mm-hmm. talking to them and they were kind of laughing and joking. And then she went, oh, you come the robbers. And I was like, what? And then the person came in. Oh. I was thinking, who is this man she's talking to? How much do I owe you? She said, I thought, what? What on earth is going on? Turns out it was our son. <laughs> I honestly sounded like a man. Did not sound. Um, I took him. We actually had quite a nice day out. Took him. Uh, skiing. Uh-huh. Quick flight to Switzerland. <laughs> nice. He's going skiing with the school in February. Never been skiing before. We don't ski. So we thought, well, maybe it's a good idea to buy him a couple of ski lessons before he goes so that he's not worried about like, Even though he'll learn when he's out there, he's not scared of the idea. Um, and in Hemel Hempstead, just north of London, there is an indoor ski dome. So it's like mm-hmm. an indoor ski slope with actual real snow on it so i took him over there and when i was looking at the website and it said um for parents watching we have a ski lodge where you can watch from i was like oh a ski lodge they're fondue this is what i'm thinking right (laughs) thank you so i'm not the only one who would have turned up thinking there was a spa with a towel wrapped around you (laughs) you'd have done the same right (laughs) turned out there was no hot tub on a veranda Full of naked people with towels around them. <laughs> if if I may, I mean, it was lovely. They've tried their best, but it, a, a fairer description might have been a canteen with windows overlooking the ski slope. I'm not convinced it was a ski lodge as such, and I should not have been dressed the way I was. Okay. This week's question is anonymous, but they have gone to the trouble to give us a name so that we don't have to think of one. So it comes from Colin Parks. Hi, Frankie and Steve. I've worked for a company employed for over 12 years. It's grown from 50 people to a 5,000 plus strong agency. I work with digital technology as an account director and I've managed some decent clients. My key skills are listening to, understanding and challenging client requirements and then translating them into actionable, achievable outcomes. I have the soft skills of technology, but I don't code. 
I'm now fed up with the increasing internal hierarchy, unnecessary process bollocks and the required emphasis on being seen to do things like PowerPoint decks rather than actually achieving valuable outcomes for clients. Anyway, I'm currently on three months of gardening leave, so I have some time to plan my goals, brush up on skills and, of course, do some gardening. Ultimately, I want to go freelance, but I don't want to be known as a C-word consultant, as I intend to actually roll my sleeves up and do work such as designing proof of concepts, helping their development teams and deciding on the right technology. What advice can you give someone wanting to go freelance when it's about services and outcomes rather than outputs? That is, I don't create, say, graphics or videos. Instead, I help clients to find their problems and investigate solutions. Any thoughts? Thanks. Colin. Do you know, Colin, I don't think you want to hear my answer. Uh-oh. You used to work consultant? What What have you got against consultant? I think being a consultant speaks to your experience. It mm. speaks to the thing that you're offering. I um, think consultant's got a bad rep. I don't know. I think there's like a bit of an eye roll about people who leave jobs and call themselves consultants. And maybe some people think that they don't actually do an awful lot but but colin is that true within your industry like within the people who might hire you would they be looking for a consultant would they be paying for a consultant it's Um, a really good point if they were on linkedin searching for somebody is that the word they would put in if it is use it i mean maybe you could be a bit cheekier with it maybe you could be a consultant who also does stuff (laughs) As you say, there must be a term that is used and you need to be using that term. And if that term is consultant, I wouldn't feel bad about using the word consultant. Own it. Beyond what you call yourself, the other question is, what advice can you give someone wanting to go freelance when it's about services and outcomes rather than outputs? It is a tricky situation to be in, particularly if you've been in one agency for a long time. There are certain like types of jobs that are quite hard to show your worth, like on a website or whatever. I feel like this is one of those <laughs> jobs. It's like, how do I show that I have made change and had an impact for the clients that I've worked for through this agency? And then like, you know, as we've mentioned on in other episodes, can you even talk about the work you've been doing with this agency? Yeah. Can you even name who those clients are? You've probably done this already, but, you know, look at your contract and speak to a lawyer or whatever or ask your employer even, like, what are the rules around what I can and can't say about the work that I've been doing here in terms of my next move? Because it's very, it is very difficult to, (laughs) it's very difficult for anybody to be in that position where you might not be able to talk about agency work that you've done. But it's particularly difficult when it's not a visual or tangible thing like a design or a video. That's even more difficult to, like, communicate. Ideally, in this scenario, the things you want to do to build trust and build, uh, establish yourself as a as a freelance business is like show that you've worked with these amazing people. And here are the things that they've said about the work that I've done. Testimonials, social proof, all of that stuff would be great. And I would also say in this scenario, more than ever, you want an almost like uh, case study style portfolio that's like, here's the problem. Here's what I did. Here's what they did. <laughs> that was amazing. But that's all very difficult if you can't talk about it or the access to those things is limited. 
if I was sort of planning this ahead, I would think, you know, it helps, and maybe you've already done this, to sort of build up your position as an expert. I think the ability to be seen, I don't know, speaking at events or writing blog posts about stuff or um, being on LinkedIn, you know, contributing in a helpful way. These are ways that um, people will get to sort of know you and build your network. But also, I bet you have built up a pretty extensive network, including people who have worked at the agency and then gone, even though, yes, you've grown from 50 to 5,000. I'm sure there must be people who must have left and gone elsewhere, who hopefully you've still stayed in touch with. I think a lot of the initial work that you might get from being freelance might be having conversations, mm-hmm. having coffees, and like just you know reaching out to that network that you've built rather than about the website that you're about to build and things like that and then as you start to go oh yeah I know somebody who could do with that Colin and you go and you have another conversation and before you know it you're in there for a couple of days consulting then suddenly you've got a real testimonial outside of this agency in a new sort of world environment yeah I think that kind of real personal one-on-one way of going alongside positioning yourself as an expert and creating content around that and going to events and so on is I think that's what I would do so true put down the trowel yeah get out of the garden and oh because he's on yes. gardening leave I wonder what the <laughs> hell <laughs> the, the trowel I was thinking what where's the trowel come from he's in his garden okay gardening leave yeah ultimately I'm saying you know you make a great point, like talking to people one-on-one in a sort of like unoffice hours style way, having loads of conversations, essentially f- presenting yourself to your existing network. This is what you're doing now. This is how I can help you. Even if none of those conversations are actually like going to lead to a paid gig, so hopefully some of them will, you need your network to be on board with this shift and to see you in the way that you want to be seen. And yeah, now is the time to do that. Like you're getting paid and you're not working for the agency. That's my understanding of gardening leave. I might be incorrect. Use that time, yeah, to build that momentum, word of mouth, make that shift, like social shift in people's eyes, I guess. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to be doing this. Let's have a mm. chat about that. You, you want to create some kind of uh, website, sort of online presence, where your your photo that you're using on LinkedIn which we're, we're saying LinkedIn because it seems like the obvious place where mm. you're going to get clients, uh, so that your photo, your messaging there is the same as it is on your website. So that as your name gets passed around amongst these people, you're going to be having your coffees with people who go, oh, who? Colin Parks. And then come in and, and check you out. So that at least there's something there, even if that's then mainly going back to LinkedIn. Also, speaking of LinkedIn, yes, it's hard to talk about perhaps legally the things that you've worked on, but what about recommendations as in LinkedIn's own testimonial system? Maybe there's people that you've worked with closely within the agency who can still give you a recommendation as well as people who are clients or something like that. And honestly, I I know freelancers who have done similar things to this. And a key part to it, it has been them coming across as a real, I don't want to say thought leader, mm-hmm. though some of them are. 
but they are definitely experts who write or create content about that field yeah. and explore it and therefore it's kind of like putting them right at the top isn't it it's like elevating them to say look how much i consider this and i love it and i'm involved in it and then those people because they're creating content suddenly get to ask to speak at events or do a webinar or like you know because that's just the way these things work we've talked about it so many times but it's really really specifically works when you're in that consultant or however you want to phrase it high-end thing because that's the that's the thing you want people to see you as an expert so put yourself out there as an expert Mm. talk about the thing explore the thing explore the potential future of the thing um in doing so you can tell stories about things you've done in the past what did laura mingotzi marsh say at the beginning of this episode just talk to people. That's the answer to most problems in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, we could we could make this podcast a lot shorter if we just gave that answer to each one. It's true, though. You're right. Talk to people. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them the stuff that you know. Establish yourself in a particular position. The cash will be rolling in in no time. Okay. Have you got any comments for Colin? Have you done something like this is is this speaking to you have you are you going through it have you been through it have you maybe hired people who have done this uh, what do you think about the word consultant as well um, let us know wherever frankie has posted about this do tell us and just like colin your question could be anonymous but whichever way we definitely need questions for future episodes so again um whatever it might be businessy parenty crossroads of both uh, let us know I'm sure Steve has spoken to many a freelancer who has gone into consultancy. <laughs> Do you know what? One of the very first guests I had on mm-hmm. the Being Freelance podcast is a guy called CSS Wizardry. He created content that positioned himself as an expert in CSS. But the fact is people wanted to work with him. Anyway, the podcast is Being Freelance. I think that was what I was meant to say. <laughs> um, search for Being Freelance wherever you got this. We've got a dog now, right? Yes. Keep meeting other people walking dogs. Mm -hmm. That's what dogs are for. But what you realise, people are crossing everything with poodles. We've got a cockapoo, Mm -hmm. right? You can get a groodle, golden retriever Uh poodle, so on. I met, (laughs) this this lady said, is that a cockapoo? I said, yeah, what's yours? And she said, it's a dash and poo. (laughs) I said, sorry? She went, a dash and poo. (laughs) And I thought, well, we've all had those moments. Did you say that? Please tell me you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's so half dashed. So imagine that's what so- I need a, a sausage, sausage poo, right? So it's a sausage poo. So it's it looks like a it's the size of a dashed, but furry like a cockapoo. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool actually. I'm actually going to Google that. Hang on, dash. I mean, dash and poo will bring up quite. <laughs> true careful what you wish for take you to a corner of a dark web you may never retreat from or you might find friends oh it's quite cute yeah oh send to rob (laughs) (laughs) there you are this time next week you'll have to skip the podcast for dash and poo